Hello everyone, you're listening to the Brunt and Bugle, the number one place to get your kinetic fix in the podcast world. I'm Lee Rooney. And I'm Mike Booth. The Blues of Victorious Victoria Park, as one of our own, continues to coast through League 2. We look back on the 3-1 win over Hartlepool at the weekend that took Paul Simpson's side into the play of places while looking ahead to the visit of Doncaster Rovers to Brunton Park this weekend. Oh, I crammed a little bit into that uh, intro there, didn't I? didn't even realise. <laughs> Slimy. How are you doing, Mike? Yeah, good. It's amazing what a thumping victory does for the mood, isn't it? Yeah, one of those ones, wasn't it? And I know me and Dan have sort of made a point on some recent episodes that we're not too fussed on Hartlepool as an away day. But I tell you what, when you saw those scenes that away, and I did think to myself, oh, I would have loved to have been there this weekend. I really, really would have done it. Yeah, again. I know. Fantastic atmosphere. But hey, three points is the most important thing, whether we're there or not, isn't it? And uh, Yeah, exactly. Paul Simpson, Super Paul Simpson keeps taking us up the league, doesn't he? He's um, performing minor miracles, I think is the best way to describe it, isn't it? Yeah, especially, you know, you forget what he inherited and where we are now. It's it's incredible, it really is. I think, I think I saw something the other day that the average points per game over a full season would see us finish typically about fifth. That's remarkable, isn't it, actually, when you think yeah. about it? You know, considering all the, the the issues we've had to deal with, obviously, getting things ready for this season and, you know, injuries, which unfortunately we're going to have to talk about again today. But, um, but there you go, but no, he, he's... Fair place, the man. What a, what a genius, you know. If we couldn't love him enough already, you know, it's, it, it's incredible. Yeah. We're very proud to say that once again this season, the podcast has been sponsored by the Cali Knight Sports Club London Branch. The London Branch is open to all Cali Knight fans. They've got members from Cornwall to Dundee and Houston, Singapore, and of course, every part of London and the South East. They regularly meet up on away trips as well as arranging many social events, sports games and fundraising for the club. They'll be providing us with information for the away games as part of the preview section this season too. You can find out more about the London Branch at their website, carlalondonbranch.org. Just a reminder also, if you don't already, please do subscribe to the podcast. You can do that on any good podcast app, wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Pocket Casts, any good podcast app. If you just search at the Brunton Bugle, um, click subscribe, and then every time a new episode comes out, you will get it straight into your inbox. And if you don't already, please do uh, follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, at Brunton Bugle. Uh, same address on Instagram, at Brunton Bugle. Um, if you search for the Brunton Bugle on uh, Facebook and click like, you can follow us there. And uh, yeah, we're also on the Be Just On Fear Not Facebook group, um, which is a fantastic community. Over 3,000 people in there would recommend joining it, definitely. Uh, we're on the companies.net message board. And you can find us on email, bruntonbugle at gmail.com. Right, Mike, let's get into the new section then. Um, a few bits to cover, actually, today. Um, one I haven't actually put in the running order, but one I, I forgot to put in, but we'll, we'll discuss anyway. Uh, Cumberland Cup action in midweek, wasn't there? Mm. And uh, United sort of um, reserves, I think you'll call it. That was a mixture of um, youth team players and uh, mm. players who didn't really make an appearance against um, Hartlepool the weekend. Uh, ran out 5-0 winners against the uh, Northwest Counties League side. Um from what Mark Burr said, good good run out for the lads, wasn't it? You know, a decent effort, and um, yeah, there's still you know things for the young lads to work on. But most important thing is they got um, minutes in the legs for the for the lads who are on the fringes of the first team. Yeah, definitely, and you know the way things are going, we might need some of them lads uh, in the first team before you know it. So yeah, it's uh, it's good that sort of you know first team, second team, they all seem to be doing doing well at the minute and it's a, a sort of a culture of success at the minute yeah look at looking at the players who are involved um mick kelly obviously in goal and uh jack ellis uh, ben barkley duncan idahan and uh taylor charters were the, the basically the main first team players who were involved the rest of them were youth team players you know mm. likes of uh Ballardo and car as well obviously and gabe breeze was on the bench for this game um yeah, the goals were two, a brace for Bellardo and a brace for Hill and a, a goal for Telechart. 25-yard free kick, apparently, so that was nice to mm. to see from him. Um, so, yeah, interesting that both um, Ellis and Barkley were taken off on the 73 minutes because I imagine there's a chance at least one of those will be involved at this weekend Yeah, based on what we've seen. So, um, so there you go. Right, uh, now we cover that off. Uh, let's talk about just a couple of sort of general sort of football bits that are related to Cal United, though. First up, Mike... Um, 
interesting little bit of breaking news in the last day or two, isn't it? The, the EFL, it's emerged. Uh, um, basically, this, is, this was broken by The Athletic, that the EFL is looking for a radical change in the way their next TV rights package uh, is formed in 2024-25. And that could see the end of the 3pm blackout. Now, for those who don't know, the 3pm blackout is basically, it's been in place since something like the 60s, basically. Um, and it's in UEFA statutes that allows national associations to basically agree that games between 2.45pm and 5.15pm are not allowed to be broadcast live on TV in that country, basically, with exceptions for like, if there's, I think it's something like if 50% of football league uh, championship and 50% of Premier League games aren't taking place that weekend basically that's the only time you're allowed mm. to and like FA Cup final weekend is an obvious one but obviously these days the FA Cup final's not even played at three o'clock is it um no so yeah it looks like this potentially is going to go because what they're looking at is they're not looking at necessarily a traditional TV com- uh, channel organization coming in and buying a block of games basically are they what they're looking at is basically they're basically saying to providers you suggest what you think would be a good deal and we'll potentially look at even opening up the, the 3pm blackout. So they, they look at the companies like your likes of um, Amazon Prime, Apple TV, even you know, your Netflix, possibly, I'm guessing Disney Plus potentially might even look at doing something possibly, but um, they're really opening up, aren't they? So what's your thoughts on this initially? Because it, it causes a lot of discussion, the whole 3pm blackout, doesn't it? In terms of people are very protective of it. But there's also a part of me that thinks you've got to move with the times as well. Yeah, I can see both sides of it, to be honest. Um, I mean, there's a lot of Manchester United fans that live in Norwich who think that it's outrageous that we have the three o'clock blackout and that they can't watch their team play on TV at three o'clock in the afternoon. But yeah, it's it's awkward because I've also heard money that sort of the Premier League will sort of give the Football League more money if we can have the three o'clock blackout lifted for Premier League games as well. And I don't quite like dancing to their tune, if you know what I mean. Like, if they're saying, oh, ditch the three o'clock blackout for some scraps off the table, what else will they then tell us to do later on? I don't know. But, I mean, from a Carlisle perspective, I think away teams, they just seem to be bringing less and less fans to Brunton Park every, every year. And I think... If they could stay at home and watch it streamed and the club would get money for that, that would possibly be better for us. Yeah. Um, you're right. I, I am. In the past, I was very much the 3pm blackout is sacrosanct. You know, you, you should not be de- doing anything with that. We shouldn't be touching it. We should, you know, it, it's got to stay there to protect teams. Times have changed. The way people access football has completely changed now. People don't... I, you know what? People say, oh, you can't watch those games between 3 o'clock and 5 o'clock. If you know how, you can. Yeah. Anyone go there and find a dodgy stream on the internet. Dozens of people have got those fire sticks. I should point out before anyone comes after me here, I haven't got one. <laughs> I, I do subscribe <laughs> to BT and Sky because I'm an idiot. But um, but yeah, anyone who, who wants can. There was an interesting article, I'm sure. I think it was in uh, When Saturday Comes. Um, our good friend Tim Graham uh, shared it with his from this month's edition. Um, mentioned the fact that in previous seasons, the EFL almost turned a blind eye to people accessing the iFollow streams. Because if you live in Australia or in Japan or in Brazil or some, you know, America or something like that, you can currently watch Cal United's three o'clock mm. kickoffs on a, on a weekend through the iFollow system, which is fantastic for exiles. A really good idea, and it's such mm. a it was genuinely really forward thinking from the EFL to bring that in a few years ago. Now, in the UK, you can't do that to protect the tendencies. But if you accessed it with a VPN, you could pretty much always access it. And they sort yeah. of turned a blind eye to it because the club was still getting that £10 to, access, to watch the stream. Yeah. Apparently now they're cracking down on that. But all that means is you're pushing people towards the dodgy sticks and, and watching mm-hmm. it on there. And, and if you do that, well, the club's getting no money at that. They'll get the one £10 that there's some bloke... God knows where he's, he's paying for it to then put through mm. the, the fire stick. So there's got exactly. to be a level of common sense here, hasn't there? Yeah, and sort of with COVID and all that, we could all watch yeah. um, the behind closed doors games. Um, People got used you to know, it. With, yeah, and we sort of didn't begrudge paying and giving the club money because if we weren't watching it at home, we would have been there at the game. Um, if there was some sort of thing in place where if you were a season ticket holder, you were able to pay... I think it's a, 
another good friend of ours, Ross Parkinson, suggested this. You you could pay £150 up front to guarantee every away game stream for the rest of the, for the whole season. I reckon a lot of people take them up on that £150. Let's yeah. say you have to give X amount, probably with more than 150 to be fair, probably be nearer 200, wouldn't it? But let's say obviously you have to give a chunk of each one of those things goes to the away team. That, that's fine, you know. Yeah, that. I mean, just the other side as well, and I'm not begrudging this for one second, but only one person per household would be paying that extra 150 quid. True. Really? Do you know what I mean? Cause, but that, that's, that's, that's inevitable, what's going to happen. And at the end of the yeah. day, you're potentially having households where, you know, people are watching them already and not paying that £10. The club aren't getting that money. Yeah, exactly. That's what we've got to remember. The way I look at it as well, if they're going to get more money from this TV deal, and because the concern is obviously, well, what happens if you know if people can watch the Premier League games at three o'clock? I mean, there won't be that many Premier League games at three o'clock because the, fo- the Premier League aren't stupid; they don't want three or four games competing for TV. Uh, no, exactly. Footage at that time. So what you'll find is actually there might only be a couple that are on mm. at that time because you'll probably find the, the fixtures will be more spread out because in, in the Bundesliga, for instance, they only have about four or five of their games kick off at half three, which is their traditional kickoff time. Mm. On a Saturday afternoon, all the rest is spread out. But every single game is broadcast live on TV in some form. Mm. The only other country, other than the UK, where the three PM blackout is in place, is Montenegro. It's oh. the only other place in UEFA that puts it in place. Every other country, they show games at three o'clock live. There's been mm. times where there's been the uh, what do you call it, the um, El Clasico, has kicked off. At, was it quarter past three or something like that? Mm. And they've had to delay the footage in the UK and show it on a delayed thing because they couldn't show it live for the vehicle but kickoff. I could argue to you that no other country in the world has as strong a pyramid system that, as us. No, that, that that is a very fair point. That is a very fair point. What I would say is, right, let's say this extra money's coming in. That can then... I, I almost look at it, it should be an encouragement to clubs to go, right, we're getting this extra money in. Let's improve our facilities. Let's make our club a place people want to come and watch football. I think half the problem is sometimes, I mean, I'm not being funny, but if I was a Fairweather Barrow fan, for instance, would you feel an incentive to go down and watch them when it's peeing down with rain and mm. Man United at three o'clock? Of course you wouldn't. Mm. But if you could create a situation potentially where there's bars down there where you can come down, you can watch the game, the ticket's a bit cheaper, there's better facilities, you could probably watch a bit of the Man United game while the game's on and you'd have people down paying to come down to watch it, but also watching... The Barrow game, for instance, I'm using Barrow as an example. I feel it may be a little bit harsh, but we've all been there. We've all seen what the ground's like there. I just feel like you've got to be realistic. And the way people watch football is, is totally different to what it used to be back in, you know, mm. back in 92 when Sky first came in and changed football forever. You know, so many more games alive. The way you can watch games on your phone, on your TV, you know, on your, on your laptops, it's totally different. And this is an opportunity for us actually technically to get ahead of the Premier League because their rights don't come up till the season after ours. Mm. So there is a real opportunity for us to go, you know what, let, let's let's be the leading light here and make a big difference. And I just feel like it should be up for discussion. I think there should be a, there yeah. should be a serious discussion about it. I'm not saying it should definitely go, but there should be a discussion saying, right, how much extra money can we actually get from doing this? Not just from our own TV deal, but also if the Premier League go, okay, if you get rid of the three o'clock blackout, we'll give you more money as well because we're going to get a load more money. And they will get a load more money, mm. right? Maybe there needs to be sort of things in place to stop, you know, potential issues there. But I, I, I think it's seriously something we should really consider. I don't think it yeah. should be outright said, no, let, let's not do it. I mean, too many people are too much, oh, it'll stop people coming down. Well, you know what? Make your product better. Make your ground better. Make it more exciting. Make it cheaper. And you can use mm. some of that extra money you get to do that potentially, to reduce ticket prices, to bring better facilities at grounds. We see yeah. what a difference it makes at Brunton Park with that fan zone, people getting down early. Oh, yeah. Things definitely. like that. I mean, overall, I'm completely and utterly on the fence about it. I don't think yeah. that we should just willy-nilly go, yeah, let's ditch the three o'clock without sort of any kind of compensation or any plus points for us. But at the same time, I'm not saying that it's sacred and we should never lose it. I think it's it's something that, if done right, it could move things forward for the Football League in a really positive way, but if not, not so much. 
Yeah, it's certainly one up for date. It's one that I know that Kiosk have put a good tweet out about, and there's been some really good interaction. That, and I have to say, some really good discussions, well, serious grown-up discussion about it, instead of just no, we 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 must not do this. There's people like, well, you know, there's positives to it and there's negatives to it. Mm. So it's really good to see that. And what we might do is we might open up to you, the listeners, to, to give to send us in some of your thoughts. If you want to tweet us or email us, and you know, via the usual contact addresses that we're at the start of the show, please do, and we'll happily talk about on next week's show because I think it is something that. It, it will it will throw up a bit of debate over the next year, I'm pretty sure of that. Um, yeah. Right, well, let's just get into a couple more things, uh, Mike, before we talk about the Hartlepool game. Um, first up, before we do a quick loan watch run, because there's not much exciting happening in the loan watch, unfortunately. Um, yeah, FA Cup draw on Monday. So, yeah, the first round mm. of the FA Cup is uh, coming around nice and fast. It's the uh, first, it's the fourth qualifying round uh, this weekend, and the FA Cup draw takes place on the BBC, I think it's 7 o'clock, on Monday evening. It's always quite exciting, isn't it, at this stage? All these non-league teams coming in. Grounds and places we've never been to. Some of them, you're generally baffled as to where they're at. Have you had a chance to have a good look, Mike? Because we're going to save this, right? We'll have a little quick discussion. Who would you like us to get in the next round? I think Bury AFC away could be televised. So I'll, I'd go for that, to be honest. Boy, is there a feeling there that of all the non-league grounds you go to, that's one where you're more likely to get a big crowd and it, that, that could be an issue potentially. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, so, some of them I I did have to I did have to Google <laughs> where the places are, uh, like Anstey, uh, whatever it is. Come on, where's that? I think because I haven't had a chance. Uh, to that's near that that's near Derby somewhere. All right, okay, Leicester. so it's a Derbyshire Leicestershire, right? Okay, fair enough. Um, I'm trying to get them loaded up myself so I can actually have a look. I had them up a minute ago. <laughs> I've closed the window. Mm. Here we are. Right, I mean. Life Spartans would be a nice one, but obviously they're playing Wrexham. Wrexham's the one to avoid, isn't it, basically? You know, yeah, I, mean, I think so. Because, again, you would get on TV with that, but I just it's not worth the hassle, is it, really, mm. what that would potentially bring. Um, I mean, the winner of Altrinum v Gateshead would be great either of them. Altrinum's not too mm. far for us. Gateshead, you know, over a trip over to the northeast, albeit, you know, you're playing at a, an athletics ground, basically, so it's not the greatest views in the world. Mm. You want to avoid a non-league team that's too far down south although a nice trip to western supermare by the seaside i've been there before it's that'll be a interesting one yeah, i guess um yeah filed are in it as well filed one of those ones it'd be uh, it's a short journey nice little away trip but the club itself is not the particularly yeah they've got a bit of a reputation they're not particularly well liked mm. in non-league football i think it's fair to say um buxton potentially that was a nice trip too far for us and hyde united um, obviously, we'd, we'd get a nice reunion with uh, Manny Manpal if we went there, wouldn't we? <laughs> that would be an interesting one. Uh, South mm. Shields well, actually is one that stands out to me, actually. That would be a really interesting time. Yeah. Obviously, they're well-backed and, uh, yeah, could, could be a good one. But, yeah, there's, there's plenty of teams to pick from. We've just picked for a few there. Basically, you want to avoid the, the bigger teams in the National League. A smaller, lower-down team, either at home or away, would be fine for me. Ashington, actually, I forgot they're in there as well. Ashington, uh, I think Ashington are the only team other than Everton, that we've got a 100% win record against. Played mm. them twice in the league back in the day, and we beat them on both occasions. So so there you go. That, that'll be Typically a proper, proper non-league club away yeah. will be televised, won't it? Yeah. And then, yeah, it'll be a nice little trip as well. But, you know, well, I always love those ones because they're just different, aren't they? Really? Something yeah. Totally, totally different. Um, but there you go. Yeah, so we've, we've had a little look through there. But if, if you all go and have a look through, we'll put a little tweet up uh, at the weekend. You can tell us who you want us to face in the next round. Right, let's bash through the loan watch before we do the Hartlepool review, Mike. Um, yeah, um, not really a great week, week at all for our uh, loanies, unfortunately. Um, I think pretty much every single appearance ended in a defeat for them. Um, mm. First off, Max Killsby. Um he uh, was an unused sub in Allen's 2-2 draw with Sten Alsmuir at the weekend, but unfortunately came back into the side for the game against Bonnie Rig Rose, which ended in a 2-0 defeat. They're having a stinker of a season. I don't know after their playoff mm. run. They're not, it's not really good for them at all. Uh, Lewis Bell uh, started again for Gretna 2008, but he was unable to help the Black and Whites. Uh, they ended up losing 3-1 to East Stirlingshire. I mean, it's one of those clubs, East Stirlingshire, I always remember because they used to get battered every week, didn't they, when they are in the actual league, but they've been out for a while now, so... Mm-hmm. There, Sam Fishburne. He got another two appearances for Morpeth Town, so he's up to seven appearances now and two goals. But um, in those two appearances, he didn't score. He um, he came on as a sub against his former side, Lancaster City, in the FA Trophy, and they lost three two. I don't know. Your mate, a Lancaster fan, isn't he? How, how, did he give you any update from that? 
Uh, no. <laughs> no <I don't> <laughs> so can't, can't, can't have done much there, can he? Yeah. Uh, I know that Dan's mate was watching him the other night when FC, they played at FC United. They lost that game 4-2. But he did set up uh, a goal for Connor Thompson there, who we will obviously mention in the XFL section later on. Um, yeah, so not a great weekend week for Sam in terms of results, but good to see him getting another couple of appearances, isn't it? That's the mm-hmm. key thing. Wanting him getting game time, that's the, the main thing. Gabe Breeze, um no appearance for him for witness at the weekend. Um, they picked up a rare victory at Hanley Town. Um, he wasn't even on the bench. Witness actually signed a keeper on the morning of the game, so not really sure what's actually happened there, whether he's got a knocker in him, because he was on the bench against Clayton or Celtic, so I don't know if that's been covered in the mid- in Simo's interview this weekend, because uh, I know John's um, got a week off, hasn't he, up until the game, so I don't know mm. if he's actually been involved in any of that, so... Yeah, interesting one. I wonder what, what's happened there. Um, other goalkeeper out on low, Lewis Boyd. He made his fourth appearance for Carlisle City, but they went down to a 4-2 defeat against Newcastle Benfield, whose side featured one Cameron Gascoigne, nephew of Paul. So there yeah. you go. Interesting fact for you there. And that's the lone watch, really. And like I said, sadly, at the moment, it's, it's not going particularly great for, for the loanies in terms of results, but they're getting game time, and that's the main thing, isn't it, really? So, yeah. There we go. Right, Mike. Mike. Match review time. United three. I put two on the thing here. Just know United three. <laughs> Hartlepool one. Obviously, Hartlepool one. United three is the proper way around of saying it. But um, yeah, another three points for the Blues, and um, the unbeaten run continues. We've now got the longest unbeaten run in League Two with eight games without a loss, and uh, we're averaging two points a game in that eight-game spell. The march up the table just continues, doesn't it? Yeah, it's brilliant, and by all accounts, we played well as well. I, I remember Simo was, was saying, even at half time, at one nil down, he was saying to the players, "You're playing well. Just keep on doing what you're doing." And you know, and he said as well, didn't he? Picture yourselves in front of that away end, celebrating at full time, and you know, and the fans have to take credit for that as well. I think because if there's a lot of fans in that away end and the, and the loud and the noisy, that image in the players' heads is a lot better than if there's only 30 people yeah. there, do you know what I mean? No, so, no, you're, uh, you're absolutely right, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so just a, an, another fantastic result. And I think that this could maybe sort of be the catalyst of our season a little bit and showed a lot of character and hopefully we can kick on a little bit more in games now and get second and, and third goals. Oh yeah, absolutely. That, that that's that's the key thing. Getting that third goal as well will give them so much confidence. And you bit about Simo, it's absolutely bang on. And you know what? The more we knew it already anyway, but the more and more you hear him talk, the more impressive he is, isn't he? Yeah. He's just he's so clear, he's so calm, he's so concise in what he says, and you and you get because you don't really want to bash people too much, but when when you listen to Chris Beach talk in his post-match radio interviews, and I, I said this before, I, some of our fans were impressed with him. I, I, that baffled me because every time I heard him, I was like, it's like listening to David Brent on, you know, on steroids. It was, mm. you know, cliched, you know, catchphrases, things like that. It was... The impression I got, if I was a player sitting in the dressing room, and I've never been a player of any repute, I can quite <laughs> happily say that, you know. Um, you know, barely play five or so these days. Um... <laughs> I wouldn't have been that impressed. I'd have been like, what, what's he banging on about? Whereas with Simo, you get that impression the way he talks, the way he comes across, he's so calm and he's so level-headed. You, you, as a player, you'd grasp grasp that, wouldn't you? You wouldn't feel over-confused, would you, by what he's saying? No, exactly. And I think I've said before, he's just the kind of player that, the, the kind of manager that players will absolutely run through bricks, brick walls for and that's what's happening. He's basically, over recent weeks, he's been talking about how he's been disappointed with certain parts of performances, but he's always said that as a point to lift them, hasn't he? To say, mm. we can be better. Mm. Whereas this week, he's got to the point now where he's saying, like, you know what, you, you want to know that? You're not playing badly, just keep at mm. it. And that's making a difference, isn't it? The, the players feed off that confidence, and it, it really is fantastic to see. Yeah, and uh, I, I think there's some managers as well, even if you're playing well, if you're 1-0 down at half-time, you'll get a rollicking, and that's yeah. that. And then sometimes heads can drop and you go two or three down. But, yeah, different different class, isn't it? Uh, it's just super <laughs> um, we, we could talk all day about how wonderful he is. But um, let, let, let's talk about the game itself. Then. Um, in terms of the team selection, if it's not broken, you don't need to fix it, do you? So, mm. Went once again with the same uh, starting eleven. No real surprises there. Um, only real difference was a, a welcome return of Ryan Edmonds into the bench, wasn't it? Which was, was lovely to see. Yeah, and I've said all along that 
as he's sort of getting match fit, he's one hell of a player to bring on off the bench. And it sounded yeah. like he made a bit of an impact. Obviously, he didn't score or set up any goals, but he's a handful, isn't he? But he played on the wing, didn't he? He came mm. on, and he came on ahead of Amari on the wing. And it seemed to be mm. a, a sense of, you've got a bit of pace, you can play yourself on the wing, but you've also got that height, and you could actually... Be a, you know we we can play long balls over the top to you as much as anything. I don't know if we, whether we did that so much, but he certainly seemed to make an impact, didn't he? And and, and Simo did actually pick him up for a bit of praise in the post match and said, "I asked him to do a job on the wing there, and he didn't even bat an eyelid. He's like, yep, I'll do it.' And his attitude, I have to say, considering he's not actually had a chance to play that much because of his injuries in Knox, does seem to be first class. He seems to really get it, and he's like all the players we've got in the squad at the moment. They all they've all got such a good attitude, even those who aren't yeah. that involved. You know, it's, yeah. it's really good to see, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the, the the chances and the goals. I mean, early on, it looks like first half, we we actually were on top for the majority. They had a little spell, Hartlepool, but it was mostly us. I mean, early on, you've got that, there was a high looping cross from Armour and, and Finn back wins a header. And, he, and he's very good at that, you know, for a lot, he's quite short. He, he wins his fair share in the air, doesn't he? Mm. In, in, in the box as well, especially. Headed it back across the goal and both Dennis and Gibson were quick onto it and the radio said it was Dennis had the chance and I can see why they've, they've, they've fought that but when you watch the videos back it's actually Gibson who gets mm. onto it and it's a brilliant save by uh, Killip in the, in the goal for Hartlepool. Fair, fair play to lad, really good reactions. Um, then there was another chance where Moxon sent a corner in from the left that Killip flapped at. Dennis fired wide from the loose ball. It wasn't an easy chance there. He was sort of leaning back and trying to get to it, wasn't he? Um, up the other end, uh, Silla fired over the bar after Ferguson had a free kick over the top that found him unmarked and then really big talking point before Hartlepool took the lead wasn't there Jack Stretton mm. threw one goal really good little bit of pace to get away from his man and he's pulled back by him he stays on his feet and he's blatantly pulled back him it's, it's not even close and if you, if you watch the um, you, what you call it the uh, Pitchside Blues video the, the club do you can blatantly see the pull yeah, and and the thing is, he gets a shot, but he doesn't get a clean shot away, does he? It's a real mm. scuff shot because he can't get away clean through. If he gets away clean through, he can get a proper shot away. But the lad brings pulls him back. That's a red card, surely. Yeah, well, Simo said that he spoke to the ref at half time about that, and mm. the referee, he, Simo said that he would have understood if the referee said, "I played advantage, and it didn't work." He, he said he wouldn't have been happy with that because it wasn't much of, a, of an yeah. advantage, but yeah. he could understand. But the referee said that it wasn't a foul, which he's it. is just it's baffling. Poor. It's poor yeah. refereeing and he's missed it, essentially. That's what it is. And yeah, really frustrating for Jack because, once again, he works so hard in this game. Yeah. The way he's lifted his game since he's come into the team has been really impressive. And I think he's another one of those, once he gets a goal, I think he might get a few because he, he looks yeah. like he's a confidence lad. and Definitely. You know, his attitude as well. So again, another loanee, his attitude is really, really good. You can see mm. that from like from when um, Moxon's goal goes in. You see him celebrating. He's really into mm. it. He really gets it. Um, unfortunately, Hartlepool ends up the lead before the break. And it, it it's, it's annoying because it's the one sloppy moment really, isn't it? It's a mm. free kick that probably shouldn't have been a free kick against Huntington. A really soft one given to them. Ball into the box over the top. Initially cleared and then... Sort of Mellish in their, their play, I think it was Mellish in their play, it was Armour, I can't remember, Clash. The referee's not even signalling play on, he's just he's just like, it's not a foul. And the ball comes back in to Lacey and he, and he controls it, and it hits it really well on the turn off the bar and into the net. But the most annoying thing is when you look back at it, Corey Whelan's played about three or four players on side. Yeah. I feel for him because I don't think it's one of those ones he could have got out that quickly anyway. He, if he got back, he might have ended up being level with Lacey, mm. which might have put a thought into the lines of the mind. You never know. But, mm. but yeah, it was a really frustrating one because you look and you think, oh, it's so avoidable, isn't it? But uh, but yeah, going to the break, 1-0 down, as you mentioned, Mike, we don't lose confidence anymore in those situations, do we? You know, we, no, we, we exactly. play with a lot of confidence. Uh, and uh, and yeah. it didn't take us long in the second half to, to get the equaliser. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, having scored his first goal for the club a couple of weeks ago, and Moxon grabbed his second in United shirt with a, another belter from outside the box. He doesn't score boring goals, does he? No, and it was quite weird, really, because he he almost like side footed it, didn't he? But it's with placed. so much power, placed with power, and it it's yeah. a, it is a what genuinely a wonderful finish. It's a better goal mm. than the one he scored against Grimsby, in my opinion. Oh yeah, he, um, a good little run by Mellish plays it inside to Moxon. Moxon's about forty yards away from goal when he picks up the ball, and he gets mm. towards goal. 
surely their lad's got to take him out in that position and take the booking. I don't know if it was the lad who was already on the booking, but mm. it, it looked to me like it was such a soft attempt to go for a tackle, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, you'd think so, but going back onto that run from Mellish, you know, there's some players that they've got quite good tight control and they're quite hard to win the ball off. But I've said all along with John Mellish, there's no such thing as a 50-50 tackle with John Mellish. They're all 80-20 in his favour. And he'll, like, knock the ball a bit ahead of him and someone will naively think that they they have a chance of getting it and he'll get it off them and sort of take them out of the game. And then he'll do it again and he'll do it again. And, yeah, just sort of a simple layoff to uh, to Moxon, who, you know, still had a bit to do. Um, but what a finish. And it's good that he's grown in confidence because we said the other week, if he's trying shots like that, even if they don't go in, even if they just test the keeper or something, you can sometimes get a rebound or get a corner maybe or, or something can happen. And it's good that, that, he, that he's got the confidence to do that now. And I, I have to say, of all the players in the team, he's the one I fear getting injured the most right now. Moxon. Yeah, I agree with you. The, the one issue is I haven't seen Duncan Iden play, so I don't know how good he is. He might come in actually and do a decent job in there. You never know. But he contributes so much going forward as well as defending. Mm. But yeah, I agree with you. He, he's got a role at both ends and losing him probably changed the dynamic of the team a little bit in terms of bringing the ball out. Uh, you'd probably well, have to, I'm, I'm uh, on about Moxon being the one that I'm most Oh, sorry. I thought you were on about yeah. Melish. I'd, no, I no, no. That. no. Okay, yeah. uh, okay, no, no. I'd, uh, I suppose with with the fact that Devitt's out injured, maybe I'd, I'd agree with you on that. Maybe and Hilton as well. You've, you've you've got less options in midfield. You'd be relying on Taylor Charles to step up maybe in that situation, or Harris, I guess. So, um, but yeah, no, brilliant finish from mm. about twenty five yards out, maybe curled into mm. the bottom corner. It's one of those ones you look and you think the keeper should do better, but they're actually at first. But then we look back at it again. No, it's just a really good finish. It's a really good finish. Really well placed mm. and. Lovely scene, seeing him celebrate in front of those fans, and then the chance of he's one of our own, wasn't there, for pretty much all the rest of the second half, which was brilliant yeah, to see. Yeah, and he seemed to be absolutely loving it, didn't he? Oh, yeah, absolutely, as, as he should do, as he should do. Mm. Um, and then Stratton had a chance to nearly get his first goal again as well. Oh, I felt for him again here, because brilliant run again by that man Mellish, mm. bombing down the pitch and, you know... Taking on every man and his dog, wasn't he? And <laughs> you know, he, you know, he was nearly going to take on half the away end at one point, I think. Um, mm. And he gets the bail and hits a really good low cross. It's it's blocked and it falls nicely for Stratton to come onto. But fair play to the defender, he recovered brilliantly to put a blocking mm. on him and knock it over the bar. And then Amari got his brace, didn't he? He came on as a sub for um, Jack Stratton. He ran in, ran himself into the ground and and yeah, he's had to wait a bit to open his account this season, but. He got himself up and running, and, and and like we said, it was all about confidence for him, wasn't it? And, yeah, and he, yeah. he's missed easier chances than these two goals, hasn't he, this season? But hundred oh, percent. But that, that's a Maori for you, isn't it? You know, yeah. Bit of a uh, conundrum's not the right word, but you know, a bit of um, I can't think what the word is right now. But you know, he's one of those players you, you sometimes just don't know what to expect, and he was brilliant in the twenty minutes or so he was on the pitch for this game. Um, mm. First goal. Oh, in Moxon, and you picked this out, Mike, didn't you? Good, good bit mm. of advantage by the referee. Yeah, because uh, he was taken out as he played the ball over the top to Patrick. But yeah, you can clearly see the ref sort of wave advantage, um, and yeah, allowed Patrick to. I mean, to be fair to the Hartlepool defender, I actually think he did an all right job of not letting Patrick get the yeah. shot off. But Patrick just then found the tiniest gap to get the shot off and and took it. Definitely, and and the thing is, with, with with that advantage as well, when you look at it, is that um, the ref could have easily thought he's going nowhere here. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to put mm. it back here. But he, he gave it time and lovely mm. footwork, feigned to shoot twice, and then, like you said, the defender did quite well to just keep him at bay, and then he just digs it out of his feet. And mm. again, one of those ones you're looking, it's not that far from the keeper, but it, it's so quick to get the shot away with very little backlift that mm. the keeper's really got no chance of getting to it. And there you go, he gets to do his little. Uh, Celebration for his little girl that I'm sure he's been waiting to do for weeks and weeks and weeks, <laughs> and he finally gets the chance. And then, uh, not too long after, about seven minutes later, in 82 minutes, he gets his second. And, and mm. this one, uh, we'll talk about him in a minute. But Jordan Gibson hit a miss game. He was playing at right wing back by this point because Finback had gone off with his injury. Um, he got a quick throw out from Holy, and uh, he lofted. It's a perfect lofted ball over the top. Oh wasn't yeah, it, it was. Placed. But Patrick still had quite a lot to do. 
Yeah. You know, it, it was a perfect pass, but bringing it under control and slotting it home wasn't yeah. easy. Um, but, you know, he managed it. But he got it under control, but he still got a little bit away from him because he had to stretch to try and get it under control. Yeah. You thought, well, surely the keeper's going to be first, you know, he's, he's going to get to this ball, isn't he? But no, mm. Amari gets in there, nicks in and just pokes the ball past the keeper and into the mm. net. And it's a wonderful bit of play by him. And then he gets a chance to celebrate again and then got to pick it out. Thomas Holy joining in the <laughs> celebrations <laughs> from the way in. Right, now, now, come on, right? Anyone who obviously subscribes to the podcast will know we, we put our first hour set of interviews out with Thomas Holy. If you haven't listened to it, go and listen to it now. We'll, we'll do a quick reminder of it at some point. Yeah. What what a lovely guy. Genuinely, really, really mm. brilliant. Such a good character. Now, I can't remember if he actually said it in the interview or not, but he said to me, because we were talking about, you know, sports you do when you're younger and stuff, and I said, oh, my brother... He's a, he's a runner, and I'll just give, give my brother a shout out there because he listens, and he, he did the London Marathon, actually, the other, the other day. And, uh, he didn't win it, though, did he? he, he well, 160th, it's not or something like that, <laughs> I think it was. No, it wasn't 160th. It was, I can't remember exactly what, what he came, but two hours, 34 minutes, and 45 seconds. They're pretty good going, so well done, Blair, yeah. on that. But I, have, I mentioned to him, oh, my brother's you know, doing the London Marathon, that, and he goes, oh, no, no, not for me. C- can't stand the running, can't stand the running me. Well, he certainly <laughs> didn't look like that. You know, the Czech used to bolts. <laughs> yeah. Running up the pitch there for that girl, fantastic. That's about three steps for him, I think. Though, oh dear, well, yeah, exactly right. But <laughs> it, it shows the unity again with the players, doesn't it? And yeah, and he said afterwards, and he said he didn't know why he was there. And there was there was a joke that he wanted to get his GPS stats up uh, for the post match <laughs> thing. But um, but also I think he said it was just the relief of getting that getting that two goal lead because we yeah. haven't had it for so many occasions this season to finally get that it was so late in a game as well was. Was really what he was buzzing off, and yeah, some people might the Hartlepool fans may think it looks ridiculous, but for me, shows the unity of our team, doesn't it? And um, yeah. and yeah, after that, um, Hartlepool did have a chance to get back into it, didn't they? Uh, Josh Amara managed to get away uh, through on goal, but brilliant recovery from Paul Huntington again. I don't know, uh, fantastic game for us, didn't he? To get yeah. back and put that block in, looked like he might have picked up a slight knock with that, which might be the one of the ones that Simo was hinting at. Fingers mm. crossed it's not because he has been fantastic since he came in. Yeah, uh, but as outstanding yeah. as he is, you know that Morgan Feeney can do that role very yeah. well as well. Oh, and abso- it, it, absolutely. It, I'm absolutely. not saying that I wouldn't be bothered if Huntington got injured because obviously it would be a big blow, but yeah. we've got such a good squad and players coming back from injury now. I think the only way is up, surely. Absolutely, absolutely. Right, Mike, let's let's cover off our 60-second reviews. We've only got one this week, unfortunately. Apologies to Craig Robson, young Craig Robson, one of our listeners. Me and neither Dan or I got round to getting your 60-second review this game, so we want you to be on, 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 your, on your toes and, and ready for the Doncaster game. Okay, watching that one carefully and give us our full review, and we'll, we'll stick it into the Doncaster game. So there you go. So here's Regan Thompson did send us one. And I haven't listened to it yet, but I'm 99% certain <laughs> I know how it's going to end. So here, here's Regan's 60-second uh, review of the game. Yeah, top, top performance all round, really. Um, the first half, obviously, below par. I'd, I'd, I'm not really sure what it was, but we were we were good. But, you know, we, we could have absolutely battered them if we played how we did in the second half. But you've got to give credit to the group for going in at half-time, acknowledging what's gone wrong and coming out and absolutely blowing them away. Or Moxon, once again, the best player on the pitch. I don't know how he's adapted so quickly, but unbelievable. He absolutely ran the show. Great to see Amari coming on and getting his goals as well, but obviously going off injured as well, which is kind of like a... Obviously, obviously is a big thing, but with how well we're doing, we're doing way better than I thought we would at the start of the season. I'd, I'd have took kind of mid-table all the way through, just plod along, but to have all the players we've had out injured and still be in the playoff positions is an absolute credit to the players and Simo himself. Um I'll just comment that that way end was an absolute steer before we got there. I'm sure you guys will touch on it. But to try and pin it on us, absolutely nothing to do with us. There was a few broken chairs and stuff in the limbs, but what do you really expect? Um, last two points for me is cheers, Dennis, for the match ball. It's a proud place my mantelpiece now, so spot on <laughs> for that. And as always, under Simo, shag is shag, and it's as simple as that. <laughs> hey, there we were just waiting for that fantastic thank, thank you very much Riga. really comprehensive review and so a couple of interesting points that I have actually got them down in the um, discussion we'll talk about the issue with the away end last mm. I think um, we've already touched on Holy sprint up the field um, Owen Moxon you've always sort of covered it and you know how worried you'd be if mm. he was out injured that kind of thing another outstanding performance from him how he's adapted to League 2 so easily it's just it, it's incredible isn't it Um 
he was man in the match again. He got 8.7 on the uh, whoscored.com uh, ratings. Um, I think that's the highest Eddie Carlisle plays had this season. It mm. Might even be the highest any players had in a game against Carlisle this season. Mm. Um, we've got to enjoy him as long as we can, haven't we? Yeah, He's not going to be think here for. So. I think. I think this season, Max. I, I hope we can palm off any interesting January. I hope. I hope he's sensible enough to realise. Look, I don't need to go up too soon because I'm playing every week here at Carlisle. Yeah. I'm really well liked. Potentially going to do something amazing here by going up. My key thing for me is I think we should be straight away sitting him down in the next couple of weeks and saying, right, let's get you extended by another year and have an option on top of that. So basically, effectively, having down for two and a half years plus a, a year option. And maybe even put in a sort of minimum fee release clause. Yeah. of, You know, I, I'd even say a million quid and yeah. just sort of say, look, if you're playing really well and a club wants to bid a million pound for you, we're not going to get in your yeah. way. And if it's if it's a lot lower, if it's a bit lower than that, we'd look at it that kind of thing. You know, if they offer eight hundred grand or something, you'd you'd go, okay, let let's see how this this works. Potentially, we could do something mm. with that, maybe something like that. But but yeah, I, I feel like we've got to, we've got to be discussing it with him sooner or later. I mean, there's a couple yeah, more definitely. in there. I'd like to see discussions. I'd like to see talk with. Well, let's talk about Jordan Gibson. Then I, I think he's another one I'd like to see us tie down for maybe another year. Because I tell you what. Full credit to him because he he didn't have the greatest game of the weekend. You know, I don't think anyone would deny that. I think I even seen his dad actually tweeting about him saying that he, you know, he wasn't quite fully at his best. But fair play to him. Keeps running, keeps working. Happy to switch to right wing back. No complaints from him there. And he even manages to set up the goal from right wing back. He's not getting his goal yet. He is snatching at things a little bit in terms of goal scoring that kind of thing. But it'll come surely. Yeah, I mean, I dare say him not having the best game. Now, I don't know if you know this, but Keith Curl has a philosophy where he likes to stop the opposition from playing mm-hmm. and then play. And I feel that maybe part of that, his game plan was to sort of snuff Gibson out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it was probably a good stroke from Simo to put him to right wing back where he wasn't having the best game. But then he, in that position, you've got sort of the whole game in front of you and you've maybe got a little bit more time on the ball. And it just sort of let him get his feet together and obviously set up that goal for Patrick. Yeah, I mean, he can do good stuff in the middle, but I feel out wide, when he goes to out wide, he always seems to be at his best because he likes to take on his money, he likes to dig his crosses out and stuff like that. So, so yeah, re- really good to see him doing really well. And like I said, another one I'd like to see hopefully tied down a bit longer. There's there's a couple more maybe as well, but we won't talk about them necessarily today. Um, yeah, Mary Patrick's injury, frustrating, isn't it? He gets that 20 yeah. minutes or so, does, does brilliantly, and then pulls up towards the end. And uh, we now know the news he's going to be out for eight to ten weeks. I mean, that's such a big blow, isn't it, really? Mm. Especially as, by all accounts, it's not, uh, you know, uh, the existing injury coming back. It's a new one because he's had hamstring issues in the past. He's basically just caused an issue and got a tear from that, hasn't he? Just, mm. just rotten luck, but take confidence from the goals and come back at Christmas. All guns blazing, hopefully. Yeah, and you know, with that, with Edmondson back now as well, it's not as big of a loss. Toby only a couple of weeks away potentially as well. That's a real plus. Yeah, um, but you know, we all know what a fantastic player he can be on his day, and I just you know take your time and hopefully he comes back all guns blazing and he's re- ready to you know kick off in the sort of second half of the season. Yeah, and Jack Stratton again having another good game as well shows that yeah. you know we've we've got options up there at the moment. It's not too bad really, and um, yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely. Um, and in terms of players and stuff, I've got to mention again once again, Corey Whelan having another fantastic game. And obviously, we, we mentioned the offside for the goal, which is a minor thing. Mm. And again, he's he's proven why he's, he's starting games, isn't he? Ahead of uh, Feely at the moment. Um, yeah, and actually, I want to give a quick shout out. I mentioned that we, we did, I should say, we did a Twitter space after the game again. Really mm. good. And we, we even had um, the Radio Cymru guys on on their way back from Hartlepool and got some really interesting chat from them, didn't we? It was uh, some interesting talk. And yeah. uh, and uh, I did mention to them about Jack Armour. Um, he's played every single minute, pretty much, of the season so far. I think he's missed one minute in total mm. in the league. What a fantastic season he's having, really, isn't he? I mean, he's Mr. Consistent, yeah. isn't he? And yeah. I I do feel as well that Dickinson is actually a player that will that we've missed this season as well because I yeah. think just a little bit of rotation to keep sort of keep Armour fresh. I mean I, I think Armour wouldn't have been our first choice player in that position mm. if Dickinson was fit. Uh, yeah. I think you touched on that in that tw- Twitter space, but yeah. yeah, what a job he's doing and he's he's really really growing yeah. as a player. Yeah. 
Right. Uh, I know we're quite tight for time today, Mike. So um, we're going to quickly bash through the stuff about the, the away end because um, mm. and we'll, we'll very quickly go for the League 2 review after that. Um, yeah. So as we saw after the game, one of the first things to come out and he was mostly bitter hearted people fans banging on about this, wasn't it? Um, there was a lot of discussion about damage to seats in that away end. We said how amazing it was and how, you know, packed it looked. And we, we talked about it last week, didn't we? The fact that we had a restricted... Um, capacity for the away end for this game mm. all season they've they've reduced it from just over a thousand to i think it's just about 700 now <coughs> so basically the the front three rows across the whole stand have basically been covered with advertising haven't they basically to stop people mm. sitting in them so i think it's some sort of safety thing to do with the local council that they've agreed with or something you know the safety mm. advisory groups they've got now there was damage to the seats Right down at that far, as you look towards the goal, the left end, which is nearest where the lively set of Hartlepool fans are, are as well in that uh, north uh, west corner, as I think they call themselves. Mm. Th- that damage has been caused by the surge, hasn't it? From from Oxford's yeah. goal, it's pretty obvious that because if you look at the photos of it, it's not like individual seats have been knocked off. It's like four or five seats all still attached to each other, effectively, have mm. come loose. Yeah, and that's exactly. from the surge of fans. And the issue there is. There's too many fans in that block. Well, that comes down to Hartlepool shit shooting. Yeah, exactly. They, they should be picking up on the fact that there's too many fans in there. Move them across, and if people won't move, well, tell you what, t- take take the covers off those seats, and people will actually sit in them. And mm. if people had been sat in those seats, they wouldn't have been the same crush because you wouldn't have been able mm. to fall forward because there'd been people there. It's because exactly. they left those seats covered, and you might argue, well, they shouldn't be doing that. Well, people get caught up in the moment of a goal like that, you know, and and that well, away end has been the same for twenty. I, I remember going there for the first time in two, late 2000. So 22 years later, it's pretty much exactly the same that way. Yeah. Well, I would argue that if Hartlepool didn't want our fans going mental in the way end, <laughs> they shouldn't have conceded three goals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's that simple. That. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So people are picking up, and local Hartlepool journalists are pathetic, really. They keep banging on it every single season, but... But, At yeah. the end of the day, we've taken big numbers to loads of different grounds all over the yeah. place, and this is the only place that our fans seem to apparently like breaking seats. Now. Well, it, it, it happened. At, um, look at Tranmere, where we scored that late equaliser against mm. Thing. Don't recall there being any seat damage at that game. No. Nope. Wonder why that is. Mm. So yeah, it, 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 my personal opinion, it's a shit tip of an away end, and if they're really that bothered, do something with it. Change it into safe standing if you really want or something like that. Mm. Uh, it's you know. They, I'm sure they've had plenty of money put into that club over recent years. We've been told, like, one of their fans posted on Facebook something about the fact that oh, they've been invested to get fans down and stuff, and this is what they do. Well, tell you what, it looks absolutely... It looks exactly the same that way, and, and it, I've never, mm. ever felt particularly safe, and I've never felt those seats as strong. I sat down... When I've been last couple of times, I've sat down the other end of mm. that way, and, and I felt like my seat's going to collapse, and I've heard from a couple of other people, they felt their seats were going to collapse. You mm. know, so... There you go. Anyway, right. Um, very quickly to round up, Mike. Um, just going through. Um, Leighton Orient, two games without a win. Has their bubble burst? Jake mm. inside there, really. They, they picked up a draw against our opponents this weekend. Um, mm. Doncaster, I think that's a decent result ticking along against a team up near the top with them. Um, mm. Stevenage now, they're top, though. Incredible run of home wins for them. 12 in a row. Mm. You know, we might dislike him, but Steve Evans, what a job he's doing there. Oh, absolutely. And I sort of said that I think Stevenage and Leighton Orient could drop out of the top three, but I mean, Stevenage in particular, they're showing no signs of letting up, are they? Stevenage, the big question is what? how will they react when they do lose a home game? Mm. Only team to have beaten us this season, remember that as well. So it's mm. just you know, quite remarkable, really, isn't it? Um, well, we're talking about bubble bursting. Um, third defeat in a row for Barrow, now below us in the league. Yeah. Has their bubble burst? Five-year deal for... <laughs> Their manager. That's like astonishing. Even we wouldn't give Simo a five-year deal because even we think that's a bit mental. Yeah. But um, but yeah, it's. I, I don't think they're going to be in trouble this season. But I have a feeling they've been a little bit found out there. A flying start, and they might find things a little bit tougher for the next few weeks, possibly. Mm. Yeah. Well, speaking of teams in trouble, uh, Rochdale got a one-nil win, didn't they, away at Newport, which is a good result for them. Not so good for the Newport manager, though. He was sacked, wasn't he, afterwards? Well, yeah. I know. <laughs> <that> one, <laughs> if you're going to lose to Rochdale, you can well, get out. The Newport podcast. I mean, to, to follow up a win at Leighton Orient with a defeat to Rochdale, that Jekyll and Hyde isn't anything. Yeah. The Newport board decided there was enough was enough there, didn't they? And uh, also sacked um, 
Crawley Town's manager, Kevin Betty, has been sacked, hasn't yeah. he? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I didn't think that they would do as well as the money invested into the club should have them doing, but I certainly didn't think that they'd be rock bottom of the league. Yeah, it's it's, it's quite remarkable, isn't it? It's um, how things have gone for them this season. I mean, the, the, I, I, I said at the time that I, I thought the signing of Dominic Telford and the money they were paying him was was mental. Really, I did yeah. not get why they were doing that. It was it didn't make sense and. Yeah, it's been proven right, I suppose. <laughs> there you go. Um, so, yeah, no, uh, only other real point I've picked out is um, Stockport got a, got a decent win at Bradford at the weekend because Bradford have been flying, haven't they? So um, mm. that ended Bradford's winning uh, toy unbeaten run, which means obviously we now are the longest unbeaten run in the League 2 at the moment. So that's great to see, isn't it? Right, mm-hmm. we'll take a quick break, Mike, and then we'll be back to preview the Doncaster game. Hi, I'm Thomas Holy, and you are listening to Brunton Burger. Yeah, we've got some new half-time break bits now because of these interviews. So yeah, that's fantastic. What a, what a great guy. And uh, it took me a couple of times to get him to do it right because he did, I think he first thought he was the uh, the Carlisle bugle or something, or Cumbrian bugle. Like, <laughs> no, no, it was the Brunton bugle. So great man there. Well, love, as I say, lovely fellow. Go and listen to the to the um, interview. He was, he was really, really good for him. But there you go. So yeah, into the preview section. Doncaster home this weekend. We haven't got a behind enemy line section again. I did try to contact him because I don't think there is actually is a Doncaster podcast. There is a fanzine. But um, I, I tried contacting them to start the weekend. I don't think they've tweeted since then, so they probably haven't seen it, unfortunately. So, but bad luck with that one. But we'll we'll, we'll try and get them for the for the return fixture uh, at, at Christmas. Obviously, we're gonna, we'll do a special episode for the Christmas fixtures. But we'll try and get them on that one definitely. Um, so yeah. So before we get into that, Mike, uh, Dan has got a question for us this week. So um, here's what Dan has sent in for us to try and get an answer for. Saturday's opponent, Doncaster, were unfortunately also our opponents for our last league game when we got relegated to what was then the conference in 2004. One former Carlisle player featured in their match day squad that day. Who was he? Oh, wow. That's a... Huh. Okay, we'll have to have a think about that one. That's, that's an yeah. interesting one. Doncaster squad that day. Hmm. Right, so we'll have to have a guess at that one, but we'll come back to that one just before the X-File section later on. But um, yeah, so let's preview the Doncaster game. So yeah, Carlave Doncaster, 7th versus 8th. Really exciting, clashing prospect, isn't it, Mike, really? Um, yeah. One of those ones you really look forward to at the start of the season when, when fixtures start to balance out. But you're like, oh, you know, a team quite nearby is it could, could, be, could be quite a good, good test, this. Uh, referee for the game is Peter Wright from Merseyside. It's his fifth season as an EFL referee. He's taken charge of 11 games. This season so far, he's handed out 38 yellow cards and no red cards so far. Um, last season, he handed out 106 yellows and four reds in 34 games. And the last United game he took charge of was the, quite frankly, unremarkable nil-nil draw against Colchester United at the start of last season. I can't remember if you went to that game, Mike, but it was a pretty bloody awful game, that. The one where yeah. Zach Puff was injured before. I can't world, remember, to be honest. I've uh, yeah. repressed a lot of those memories. Yeah, Two players booked that day, there, both for United, were Corey Whelan and John Mellish. Um, head-to-head record, it's going to be the 66th meeting of the two sides. And it's all square. Both United and Rovers have got 24 wins each with 17 draws between the two teams. So, uh, yeah, nice, nicely balanced, that one, I think it's fair to say. Um, Doncaster Rovers squad, Mike, looking through it, and obviously the transfer activity of the summer, I mean... Really interesting. Only two players um, in on loan, from what I can see. I think possibly one of the loan players who was in is actually... In fact, no, sorry, apologies. Kyle Hurst, I've got down as a loan here. But actually, when I looked on the transfer market, I don't think he's shown as a loan from Birmingham. So hmm. I'll double-check that in a sec. But uh, looking through the squad, I mean, there's, there's two standout names there, isn't there, in terms of ex-Carlock connections? Yeah, Adam Clayton is too good for this league, surely. <laughs> You'd think, but he must be getting on. How old is he now? Not 100% how old he is. He's got to be 33, 34, I think. He is 33 years old, turns 34 in yeah. January. So, yeah, he's not, not too old. And, you know, he's one of those kind of players who's so good in the ball. He should be yeah, able to carry He, he never depended on pace, did he? No. He's one of those players. I, I, do you think he's maybe a little bit underrated from his loan spell with us? Uh, well, I, I personally rated him very highly. Um, I think. The, he was one of them players who you knew at the time that League One wasn't where he was going to spend most of his career, I think. Um, he scored a cracker uh, of a goal. I think it was at home to Yeovil. 
uh, went in off the crossbar uh, from outside mm. the box. So yeah, it was a player I always rated highly, but yeah, he's not one that people seem to rate as one of our best ever loanees yeah, or anything do- like that. He doesn't get talked in the same breath as like Ben Marshall or um, mm. even like Liam Noble when he was on loan, people like that, even like you know James Chester's. But I think he should be right up there. I mean, he's had a brilliant career when you look at him, the levels he's mm. played at. So he's mm. one of those ones maybe a little bit harshly done by and. I know for a fact, I can't obviously tell these stories there, but he learned a few harsh lessons when he was at Carl because you know, there mm. were some questions about his attitude sometimes, but he, he really knuckled down and became a really important player for us and um, obviously played a big part in that game at Everton, didn't he? Yeah, where he absolutely did not score in and I don't <laughs> know why people seem to think he did score yeah, just because he kicked the ball and then did a knee slide. No, it was Kevin yeah. Hurst that scored. It was definitely Kevin Hurst goal, that was <laughs> It's just a shame that people still say that. But, it, you know, <laughs> played play his part in that game anyway, at least, it's yeah. fair to say. But, um, but yeah, probably slightly less well-remembered Loney that's also in um, Doncaster squad, Tom Anderson. But he, again, he's carved out a really good career for himself since he was on loan. Mm. And he actually looked all right. In the, uh, he played, what, nine games, something like that, I think, mm. for us in the end. But he's, he's, he's a player who very, very occasionally we mention in terms of goals, but he's a big lad at the back and, again, a big, big part of their team. Anyone else that stands out for you in their squad? Uh really uh... it's an interesting one with him because yeah. he was um... <sighs> they had um, what's his name didn't they Lee Tomlin they signed in someone you mm. thought oh that's not a bad signing is he he's pretty good he'll be a good addition bit of experience up front had to retire though recently didn't he mm. interesting with that because he, he basically said that he was just in so much agony after some of the games and training he's like there's no point in me carrying on here i think there was some talk like he wouldn't be able to walk if he carried on playing as long as he mm-hmm. did so yeah that that was a strange one for them um i'm just looking at the squad now kieran agard he's one who's been linked with us a couple of times in the past he's a yeah. you know decent experience forward doesn't get too many goals does he but you know he's, again mm. a lot of, i think a lot of clubs at our level would be quite happy to have his experience in the team george mm. miller's one who's always threatened to to impress hasn't he but Never mm. quite done it um, wherever he's been. Um, Tommy Rowe is the obvious one, I suppose. Again, he's 34, though, isn't he? He's not a young lad. Mm. Um, Liam Ravenhill, that name rings a bell. It's because his dad, Ricky Ravenhill, was a... Um, you, you might remember him as being a uh, professional footballer with Doncaster and a few other clubs. I think um, Darlington, possibly, is one of them, I think, as well. Mm. So... Um, so yeah, it's interesting. The, the problem is they've been playing in League One for a few years now, haven't they? So a lot of the players we don't recognise. Mm. That's half the issues in it. The ones that play for us, you do, but the rest less so. So, um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see what sort of test we face for this game because their preseason odds was sixteen to one. So they're about where they should be, aren't they? I mean, look yeah. at the odds for the game. Actually, we're well in front of them. We're clear favourites for this actual match, but they're about where probably people would have expected them to be. I mean, I, I had them in pre-season. Of the four relegated clubs, I thought that they would probably do best at the mm. four, I thought. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's certainly no surprise to see them sort of where they are in the league. Yeah, definitely. Um, last time out, um, they uh, got a 1-1 draw against Leighton Orient, as you mentioned just before. Um, have you seen Paul Smith's goal for Leighton Orient in this game yet, Mike? No. After this, go off and find it on Twitter. If you haven't found it, guys, if any of you listening haven't seen it, go and find it. It's an incredible strike. The ball sort of comes into the box. He sort of flicks it up in the air and he he, he gets up and it's not an overhead kick. It's like a, a sort of slice sort of diagonal sort of scissor kick almost. Mm. And he fires it into the top corner. It's an unbelievable finish. Like It'll be a strong contender for EFL goal this season. Definitely. Mm. It's, it's that good a finish. Um, so they took the lead with that in the first half. And then Harrison Biggins, former... Fleetwood man um, headed in from six yards out for a good right wing cross in the second half that Doncaster's seemingly dominated chances for. So um, they'll probably take a bit of confidence to get him back here against the uh, what the then league leaders in that game. Um, in terms of form, they're 13 from the last six game form table with a record of loss, lost, 1 1, loss, drawn. United sixth in that table, we should say, with a record of lo- lovely symmetrical of a drawn, one, drawn, one, drawn, one. And obviously that goes back over eight games in total, actually, yeah. that, that record. So, um, yeah, really fantastic United's form at the moment in terms of those sort of things. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, United then. Let's talk a little bit about United for this one. Um, injury-wise, getting closer, aren't we? It's mm-hmm. getting better. Ben Barkley featured against the Cleeton Mill Celtic in midweek. Ryan Edmondson came off the bench against Hartlepool. 
Um, both surely in contention to feature. Maybe Edmonton again on the bench, and so same with Barkley, possibly. Yeah, um, there's doubts over Finn back, though, isn't there? I can't see him risking Finn back in this. I don't long term. No. You want him for the full season, so yeah, that's the big question. Obviously, Mario Patrick being out, he was on the bench anyway. So for that, you're probably bringing maybe Nick Bellardo to be an extra striker on there. With with right wing back, what what would you do? Would, would you do? Do you bring Jack Ellis back in to play there as he as he did last season? Or do you maybe play, play Ben Barkley there, possibly? It's a tough one, isn't it? Or even Jordan Gibson could maybe do a job there, but then I you're losing him I, in midfield, don't you? I know, and who would you bring into midfield? Then you'd have to bring in Harris, or you'd lose his creativity there. And additionally, I, I don't know if I'd start him against a higher level, mm. you know, higher up team, mm. right wing back. I'd bring him, I'd put him there later on in games to have a bit of an attacking, mm. extra attacking threat there. But the one thing I would say is I wouldn't put Corey Wheeler there. I wouldn't move him for a start. No. Been just about two. He's just too slow to play that role, yeah, in my opinion. I definitely. don't think he's got the pace for it. So. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd maybe put Ellis there. Yeah. He seems to just come in and do a job. Um, and, you know, we'll have sort of other players who can sort of double up with him and cover in areas. Um, and I think as well, having so, someone like Paul Huntington alongside him to sort of coach him through the game is always going to be a good thing as well. Yeah, obviously Simmons hinted that there's a couple of us who were touch and go for the game, so we'll have to wait and see mm. what happens with them, won't we? Um, so yeah, the feeling with us is, you know, pretty much stick with it as you were, other than obviously the players who are out injured, drop, drop a couple of players in for them. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Pretty much. Cool. Right, well, um, let's then get to the predictions, Mike. Um, no change in the table, is there? No. Nope. None of us scored any points last weekend, which is a bit frustrating, but there you go. Um... Go on, you can go first. You can do your prediction for this game. I'll go for a 2-1 win, and I'll go for Owen Moxon to score again, and I'll go for Jordan Gibson to get his first of the season. We've all been saying it every week that he's going to get his first of the season. We keep saying it, don't we? It's brewing. Um, Right, I'm going to go for a 2-1 win as well, actually. Uh, My goal scorers are going to be Christian Dennis, and who, who else? Who else? Jack Stretton. Oh, Jack Stretton's going to get his first goal. He's been threatening it. I'm sure he's going to start yeah. again. So let's have a Jack Stretton goal for that one. Uh, right, let's have Dan's prediction for this game. I'm going to go for a good, solid 3-1 win against uh, what I would class as probably uh, a team that we can sort of use as a marker post, given that they were in League One last season. Uh, I'm going to go for goals from um, well, Christian Dennis, of course. Uh, Ryan Edmondson, and let's have another for more in Moxon. Well, he's covered off both of us there, hasn't he, this swine? <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't know what our predictions were, but he's basically, if we succeed in ours, he's still going to get points, isn't he? Absolutely yeah. Get. There you go. <laughs> right. But there you go. There, fair news. There's the predictions. Right. For the XR section, uh, Mike, should we have a crack at Dan's question? I, I cannot for the life of me think who it is. I think, knowing what an absolute bar steward Dan is, I think this is a curveball, and I think it could be Adam Collin. Oh, I think you're absolutely right there, you know, because he said in the squad and he? he didn't say starting mm, and he had a exactly. I think you may have nailed it, Dan. Uh, there, Mike. He, right. I, don't, I, I don't think he ever played a game for them. No. He had a loan spell there earlier in yeah. his career, remember, right, and it'd be yeah. roughly around that time. Right, let's see what the answer is uh, for Dan's question here. The answer is... Adam Collin. Hey. Uh, Collin was at Newcastle at the time, but had a spell on loan at Doncaster. But I'm not sure he actually made an appearance for them. I think he was uh, the emergency cover on the bench for a few weeks. But yeah, Adam Collin was on the bench that day. And funnily enough, Adam Collin was on the bench for Mansfield against Barrow the other night. Mm. He's, uh, he's, he's the academy coach, head academy coach at Mansfield Town. And I think they've only got one senior keeper at the moment, so he's been re-registered as a player, just a, as an emergency to be on the mm. bench. So there you go, Adam Colin. Good answer there, Dan. Really good question. Well done, Mike. Remember that? Because I was, again, I was like you, I was thinking, it's got to be somebody who's not involved. I mean, yeah. so very discreet. Because um, I was trying to think of a place who played for us before that. But obviously he was, came to play for us later, you see. Mm. So there goes. Well, it's because I was researching a question uh, a while ago. I can't remember mm. who we were against. And it was going to be... Or the clubs that he played for, ah, and right. I saw Doncaster were in there, and thought, ah, oh. 
But then I didn't even use that question anyway. But <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. Fantastic stuff. Right. Okay. Let's do the XFL section quickly, Mike, because I know you've got to get away. Um, yeah. A fair few things happened this week. Actually, it's been a busy one. Um, mm. First up, uh, last weekend, James Tavernier scored a penalty in Rangers 4 0 win at home to St. Mirren. Didn't have a good night the other night, though, did he against Liverpool? Oof. No. Tough tough night for all those Rangers players, I think it's fair to say. Mm. Uh, a couple of players in one game here. Gary Medine and Jerry Yates both scored in Blackpool's 3-1 win over Watford. A really good win for them, that. I uh, mm. should say that Jerry Yates got a brace in this game as well, so he's starting to find a bit of scoring form once again for Blackpool. Um, uh, in the Championship again, Charlie... This is a lovely one, this one, isn't it? This is mm. really nice to see, even though the result wasn't great. Charlie Wyke... Scored his first goal since his cardiac arrest last year in uh, Wigan's 3-1 home defeat to Cardiff City. Really, really nice to see him get that. I think he started again in midweek when they beat Blackburn, I think. So mm. re- really lovely to see him back playing again. Uh, someone who, who can't stop scoring at the moment and is in the form team in, in League One, uh, Sam Cosgrove. He scored again for Plymouth in their 3-0 win over Accrington Stanley at home. I mean, it just works at some clubs for some players, isn't it? It's, it's a yeah. really weird one, isn't it? He just seems to have found his, his scoring... Form there at Argyle. Um, Paddy Madden, he scored a penalty in Stockport County's 1-0 win at Bradford City. Aaron Hayden then scored a brace in Wrexham's absolutely ridiculous 7-5 home win over Barnet. I mean, they're, they're certainly entertaining to watch, aren't they? I think it's fair to say. Yeah, that's one way of putting it. I saw Wrexham past 1 million followers on Twitter the, the other mm. day. Apparently, that's all come from obviously, the, uh, the This Is Wrexham uh, TV series. Um Kedwin Scott, uh, he scored twice in North County's 3-2 win at Woking. He's having a decent start to life in the National League, isn't he? Mm-hmm. One that got away. Um, Gavin Riley and Josh Todd both scored in Queen of the South's 3-3 draw at Adrianians. And Brad Young got his first goal for Air United in their 5-0 home win over Queen's Park. Uh, into midweek, uh, a couple of non-league uh, goals to give you. Mo Sagaf, I haven't heard his name for quite a while, have we actually? No, whilst no. Him. He scored in Dagenham's 1-1 draw at York City. More on that in uh, York City in a minute. And uh, Connor Thompson and Liam Noble from the penalty spot scored in Morpeth Town's 4-2 defeat at FC United and Manchester in midweek. Uh, on to the other bit. Uh, Nathan Thomas, he uh, made a return to football after a year out of injury to sign for York City on a deal until January. Really nice to see him back in the game. One of those ones that, you know, if he was fully fit and, and raving to go, you wouldn't be against signing him, would you? That's thing. He's such a good no, footballer, isn't he? I think fully fit, it'd be way too good for yeah. that level. Like. He went on an amazing run that actually set up uh, York City's goal in this game. I saw the uh, the footage of it. Um, he didn't actually set it up. He, he, someone else laid it off, but he, he played the ball in it originally. Uh, Andy Cook, he got named League Two Player of the Month September. And Stephen Schumacher, a name we don't mention very often on here, he mm. was named as a League One Manager of the Month for September for his exploits mm. with Plymouth Argyle. Mm. And uh, finally, also you mentioned the fact that Newport's boss was... Uh, Sacked after their weekend defeat against Rochdale. Do you know who's taken over as the caretaker manager there? Darren Kelly. The man with the massive telly, indeed. I think he's like director <laughs> of football or something like that there. So uh, mm. he's basically just stepping up to be manager for for a short while while they find a new boss. So uh, there you go. That's the X-Files section done. And that's uh, it for this week's show. Thanks once again, Mike, for coming on and uh, playing your part as usual. Um, thanks once again to our sponsors, the London Branch, for their brilliant support this season. Uh, in terms of upcoming episodes, I'm hoping to have another interview episode out on Monday. Not 100% on that, because I haven't had a chance to edit it and put it together yet. And uh, I won't bore you with the deal, but it was very complicated to do the last episode. <laughs> it was quite a bit, <laughs> bit of a pain matching the two mics up. But um, but yeah, that, that's that, that's another player, basically, we're going to do. And um, I think he's one you'll all enjoy, I think it's fair to say. Um, and obviously, we'll be back next week with our Leighton Orient preview, where we'll be talking to our old friends of the Lowdown Podcast. I mean, they must be having the time of their lives this season, really, with the way things have gone. Yeah. Really good for them, isn't it? Great. Right. Thanks once again for listening. Thanks, Mike. And up the blues. Cheers. Up the blues. Up the blues.